My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's show by Adam Bottrill, an experienced consultant and executive coach. Um, Adam is the owner of The New Perspective, a consultancy which works to advise on strategy, instigate business growth and profit ability and that business has worked across multiple industries and I'm sure we'll probably touch on some of those today. Um, Adam, very warm welcome to yourself and uh, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you. No problems at all, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, likewise, Adam, a real pleasure for me welcoming you onto the show. And um, just thinking about um, your business, I've kind of given a very brief overview as to sort of what it is that you specialise in. But in your own words, uh, what would you say it is that the new perspective does? Well, we help business leaders with the, the challenges that are faced um, every day, and, and it changes periodically. Obviously, at the minute, we know that, that staffing and recruitment is, is a key issue, as is exports, um, and the rising rate of inflation. You know, raw materials over the last 24 months have been sparse, and this has really pushed, uh, pushed businesses to adapt and, and change their model really to, to make sure that they can continue on growth or in some cases, sadly, just survive. Uh, the, the landscape's very, very challenging. So, yeah, when I'm called in by business leaders, uh, the challenge may not be exactly what they think. You know, some business leaders might be calling me in to help the business grow, but it, it's not always essential to grow. They could do the same amount of work, but by changing the way that they either procure materials or present their materials and, and their offering to the customers, they can actually be more profitable and make more money by standing still with the volume that they produce. So there's not always one thing. It's really dependent on the climate of the market. Yeah, certainly makes sense from my perspective because there is always a new challenge, isn't there, for businesses to uh, to face? And again, I'm sure that's something that we'll certainly touch on. Uh, but just kind of going um, into the uh, the backstory of the uh, the business for uh, for a little while. Um, I understand that before you moved into coaching and consultancy, Adam, you uh, were in the uh, the Royal Marines and you enjoyed a uh, military career. So I was kind of wondering what kind of facilitated the transformation from sort of that into the uh, the business world, and whether there were any sort of trans um, sort of transferable skills that you were picked up during your time in the forces that have really served you well since then? Yes. Uh, well, it seems like a long time ago now. I spent five years in the Marines. And, and why, why I joined the Marines was because I wanted to be a firefighter. Uh, so I left the Marines in pursuit of that, that vocation that I had. But unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition. Whilst I was applying to, to join the fire brigade, I took a, a job working in a warehouse um, and... and Whilst there, I was identified by one of the sales directors as somebody who could uh, offer more than, than, than the role that I took as a stopgap. Uh, and, and I was pushed through different positions through customer service and internal sales until eventually becoming a, a sales rep. Uh, and I suppose that the reason that that happened was because of what I did take from the Marines, and that was you know, commitment, uh, loyalty, and, and tenacity. And, and whatever was presented to me, I'd always give it my, my best shot in, in delivering uh, beyond the expectations of the person who requested it. Um, but yeah, I think from that point, I, I understood a little bit about business Then working with, uh, with financial figures and looking at how business is operated. 
and that really spurred me on to push myself. So leaving that local company and moving to a national company um, gave me the development opportunities that I required to own some of my skills. Uh, I got put on the right courses and, um, and I also got a mentor from the HR director and, and the managing director too, really, really uh, encouraging me to, to challenge myself and take on new new, new roles. Uh, that stre- Every single role that I moved into really stretched me. Um, but, but made me better as a, as a leader uh, and, and give me the experience that I needed to take on the next challenge. Um, ultimately, it culminated in me, I was the managing director for the UK and Ireland for an American PLC. Uh, large company, I was taken on to do the merger of two companies, um, collective turnover in the region of 35 million. Uh, and that was probably the most senior role that I've had. I was part of the commercial leadership team for Europe. Um, but ultimately, the epiphany of COVID, which many of us had, changed everything for me. Uh, and where I was working away three or four nights a week, you know, moving around Europe and America, all of a sudden I was grounded back to my my house that I wasn't in very much. And I could see the challenges that my wife was facing then trying to homeschool our then six-year-old and look after our then two-year-old who should have been in nursery whilst trying to to do a couple of hours of her homework each day. Um, And it was at that point that I thought I'd take a backward step from the corporate slug that I've been involved with for for decades and, uh, yeah, commit to the family. And as soon as I'd started to step away, people came to me and asked me to take on small projects for them in whatever element it was. I mean, one was a specific growth project, creating a sales and marketing campaign for a company um, that was handed over to a new sales director. Uh, and another was mentoring a senior management team and bringing them together where there was uh, cultural indifference, shall we say. Mm. Uh, and out of that grew the new perspective and, and uh, established the company in November 2020. Uh, and, it, and it's gone on from there. Yeah, and um, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the work that uh, the new perspective does, and certainly in terms of change management, very very shortly. But before we kind of get onto that, um, just kind of going back to the reasons why you took a backward step. Um, how important, therefore, do you kind of view sort of the work life balance from a leadership perspective? Because we often t- hear it spoken about, um, sort of from the employee perspective. But as leaders, maybe we don't necessarily think about it as much as we should do, and we can get drawn too much into the uh, the hectic world of keeping everything running. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. Um, I, I, I'd like to think that when I was the managing director at James Hardy, I was a champion of of work life balance in in advocating that for for all of, of our people. Um, but behind the scenes, I didn't I didn't live the the, the or yeah you know, live the values that I preach to so many people. Um, and I, and I think sometimes the pressure that we put on ourselves to deliver above and beyond everybody else to set that example of, of um, doing more or, or always being available. Uh, it probably has a, a, a counterproductive um, aspect to it that, that people don't really believe the words that you are saying and um, don't believe that you actually want them to, to have that balance. And uh, yeah, I'd say for a long time now, uh, I've not, had the right balance up until uh, establishing my own business. Um, 
and and it was one of the primary things when I, when I did set up on my own and decided not to go back to the corporate world. Um, that was one of the things that I said to myself. I remember breaking down my year and saying, right, it's 365 days a year. How many weeks holiday do, do I want to be taking a year? Um, and I think I got it down to 228 days was my commitment to work per year. Um, and it, and it, was, it was easy for me to say that at the time because I didn't have very much work. And the work that I had paid okay, so I was, I was, yeah, was going to be delivering my must-have financial commitment. Um, but then as things started to pick up and work started to come in and the work now is all on my terms. So it's all interesting work. I don't need to work with any specific clients if they're, if they're you know, tough or we don't have the right connection. Um, so yeah, the work's always attractive to me now. Um, and I've slowly, to be completely honest, I've slowly slipped into um, breaking that balance up. You know, the school holidays finished uh, just over a month ago, and and when I look back at that period of my children both being off school for six weeks, and reflecting on what I actually gave them, it wasn't enough. You know, we had one week's holiday um, through the whole of the six week period, and I gave two uh, individual days. I had a day with each one of them individually, and there's always an excuse. For me, you know, I've got I've got three businesses. One's gathering some real pace now as a startup that we've been building for 18 months. Um, and I've always got an excuse to say, well, it's just, it's just for now. It, you know, it's only this year. Next year will be established. Things will be different. But I have to be honest with myself. And I think when I look into next year we, you know, re- and really take a, an honest opinion of, of where we're going to be, I'll probably have even more responsibility then and, and more pressure. So it's at what point do we actually acknowledge that and, and make the commitment um, that, that we know in our heart of hearts is to our family is the right thing to do. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is the, the vulnerability of being a leader. Mm-hmm. We don't always have the right answers. I, I can quite comfortably sit down with my clients and, uh, and coach or mentor them on these topics like I have all the answers myself, but I, I don't. Um, so I'm still learning myself. Yeah, I think that's an important point, isn't it? That we're never infallible, no matter how much we sort of self-develop. I mean, there's always things to learn. It is a constant uh, development process. And sometimes I think we also uh, we can also forget that as well. And there was a lot of pressure on leaders during COVID, wasn't there, to provide all of the answers in what was a very sort of changing situation all of the uh, the time everything was in a state of flux nobody really knew what was going on because things were changing by the day and people were under an immense amount of pressure and so kind of proactivity in an environment like that um and balancing that out with the reactivity side i mean it can be very very difficult so just shows doesn't it that you know we have to constantly seek to learn more and develop more yeah i think it's it's being open and saying that you don't always have the answers and, and you don't always execute, even when you have the answers, you don't always execute it perfectly yourself. Exactly right. And that alongside the work-life balance, that kind of authenticity and vulnerability in leadership is one of those things that are key to change management, aren't there, and introducing a very positive culture because these are the things that people are caring about. And another thing as well is that... Um, 
it's important to draw a distinction, isn't there, isn't there, Adam, between sort of leadership and management, I think. And this is where sometimes a lot of leaders might go wrong a little bit because um, one of the reasons behind people sort of leaving different job roles in their droves over the last couple of years in what we called the Great Resignation was because there was limited progression pathways. People felt like they weren't necessarily developing in the role that they were in. And I think that's because as leaders, we don't necessarily devote enough time to the development side sometimes, do we? We don't devote to training. We don't devote to sort of acquiring new skills and applying them. And that's something that people sort of want more now since the pandemic. There's far more sort of mindfulness about purpose and about sort of what am I actually sort of doing this for? So when we think about change management and we think about culture, I suppose that's one of the first things that we also really need to be thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think before change management becomes a topic for for any leader, it's about the culture. Like you said, it's it's about having that relationship with your people. That when change comes about, it's it's it's, it's not always as simple to say that we're going to collaborate on every on every change. Do we need change? Should we make change? What are the benefits of changes? Sometimes change is forced upon us. You know, sometimes it, it comes from a a higher power. Sometimes it comes from an external factor like uh, customers or supply change uh, chains, and um, we have to deal with change. It's not an option to to procrastinate or, or to to ignore it for a time. Um, but if the culture isn't there, that this we're in this together, and and it's about the outcomes for all of us and how we can continue to uh, ha- have what we had before, or if not better. If that isn't there then it's, it's a really tricky starting point. It is, isn't it? And when you are tackling developing issues, certainly in the uh, the global marketplace, you know, like inflationary pressures, like COVID that we've already got through, um, like the cost of living. I mean, if that relationship isn't there, if you haven't sort of built on those solid foundations, you're going to find it very difficult as a whole unit to try and chart a course through um, the uh, the challenges that, uh, that you're facing. Mm. Yeah, and... and- and I think one of the things that a lot of people do, leaders, um, they always try to empathize. You know, it, we, I always did it myself. I always tried to empathize with everybody's situation so that, that, that they knew that we were in this together. But sadly, you know, it, especially when we look at inflation and cost of living, it's not always the case. You know, leaders uh, are financially remunerated um, better than, than other people in the business. So when, when somebody's coming to a leader and expressing the challenges that they're facing because of the impact of societal change or, or market change, um, it, it's right it's right that we don't try and empathize and we just sympathize and say, I appreciate your individual situation. And we try and isolate it from the business or, or trying to reflect it onto other people to to lessen the, the, the impact that that person's feeling um, and, and just listen. Just listen and take it on board. Um, and it might not be that you can offer a pay rise or the, the guarantee of a, a better bonus or, or a change in condition, working conditions for that person. But I think just to be present, to acknowledge the, the challenge that that individual's facing um, and offer whatever support is available is, is the best thing rather than always trying to empathize, which is something I was uh, yeah, often guilty of. 
Yeah, certainly something for any leaders that are tuning into this uh, to consider that relationship that you do have with the people around you, how you sort of manage on that kind of person to uh, to person basis. And um, maybe as well, sort of when we look at kind of the uh, the national sphere as well, I mean, there's always that sort of desire, I think, from government to increase productivity um, and sort of get the economy growing. But maybe it's kind of the interpersonal relationships that we're not quite uh, so good at in that sense, because um, even if you look back to uh, things like Britannia Unchained, um, which are sort of the, the work behind sort of so many of these uh, these new policies that the government's currently bringing in on sort of lowering tax, sort of trying to back business. I mean, it's all based on the idea that, uh, you know, some a lot of Brits tend to be lazy and don't want to be productive. And that's not always the case and sort of going at it with so that sort of mentality and approach isn't necessarily going to entice the best out of people is it and when you translate that into business I mean it's just it's indicative isn't it that if you have a much better more holistic relationship with your staff you're going to get just so much more out of them yeah yeah I was I was talking to a client earlier on this morning um about the start that they want growth but they know what's the point in going out and Winning new contracts and, uh, and and making hollow promises to to, to their to their clients when they know that if they if they win that contract they're going to need to go out and get staff and at the minute the confidence level in in gaining that that the right skill set or the right experience uh, in a time period that will allow them to deliver on the contract the, the confidence level is on the floor and so we talk about well first and foremost let's focus on the people that we have got and make sure that they aren't going anywhere. What, what can we do? And, you know, just like the government, the government are in a difficult position where they're trying to come up with, with new policies or legislation that's going to suit the majority of the country, that's going to uh, entice the majority of the country. But it, one size doesn't fit all. Mm. And if, if we're, earlier on in the week, I was talking to, um, to a company who, one of the key people they believe is about to leave is on the fringe of um, he's either applying for jobs or he's on the fringe of starting those conversations. And it's an assumption that they've got and they don't feel that there's any value in actually holding that conversation because they don't feel that the, that the truth would come out if he was. So I said, well, what are you trying to do about it? What, what do you think your, your, your options are to prevent this from happening? And they said, well, what we've done is we've given him a £1.15 hour pay rise. And I said, that, that's fantastic, providing that's what actually his needs are. But he, if he's not driven mm. by, by financial you know, means, by, by gaining more money uh, in his back pocket by the end of the month, then it's going to have zero impact on that person staying in the business. And, and not only does it not achieve that, you're actually throwing money down a bottomless pit because if that person may you know they may have a, a mothering in a care facility that they need to be there on a wednesday afternoon or they may have a, a social event every sunday that means that they're a little bit tired on a monday morning and they just want monday mornings off or it might mean that they've got children at school that they never get to see in the school holidays and they might want an extra week off in, in the school holidays it's just about understanding what that person wants and doing the needs analysis that's going to help the retention of, 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 of your good people rather than throwing a, a package together that you believe would be acceptable or, or stimulating for you. And I think the more that, that leaders can 
come up with tailored packages for their individual for, for their employees rather than carte blanche. This is our offering. It, it's it's too generic. You know, offering private me- medical care or offering uh, uh, birthdays off every year or whatever it may be. It, it's too generic. People are so different and unique that the package that employers have to offer needs to have an element of flexibility in that. And it, you know, for smaller businesses, it's it's far simpler to to make bespoke um, offers to, to candidates. Um, but even in bigger businesses, even in the, the the FTSE level companies of this country, they could still create a menu of 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 an offer you know these are the core basics we this is what the the financial offer is and this is what the holiday package is and this is the pension offer but we also have a, a suite of five different things that you can choose to bolt onto your your package choose the thing that suits you best and and but having that level of flexibility just it screams volumes of of how flexible that business will be in times of difficulty. If there's a bereavement, if there's a, a a child that's sick at home, if you're sick or you're going through mental health issues, it's it's laying the foundations for for that relationship um, between employer and employee. And I think that's what leaders need to just take that extra bit of time in in, in demonstrating uh, the flexibility. Yeah, it's very true as well, and it's certainly ringing even more true since the uh, the pandemic. You know, when people are sort of far more conscious of flexibility, for instance, um, as well, because um, we are more aware of our own mortality, our own shortcomings, and our own work life balance, and there is more of a demand for that, a need for that, and leaders do need to really show that flexibility and understanding. And I think it comes down to as well, sort of the balance between sort of the skill sets that employees have and also the uh, the challenge that the business is trying to address as well because those two things Adam have to be in a constant state of balance don't they for sort of maximum satisfaction because if you sort of have one sort of going the one way the skills too great and the challenge is too small you get boredom but the challenge is too great your resources aren't great enough then obviously that's going to lead to sort of anxiety and worry about the whole thing so getting development right, getting your personal relationships with your staff right. There's so, so much that leaders really do need to be thinking about, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, and, and that's it's, it's another thing. It's another aspect to think about the um, the kind of double-edged sword, the, the dual benefits that, that you can offer to people because like, some people aren't engaged, you know, they're, they're not stimulated by money. If you can entice them to, to look at their own development, um, and and take that as an incentive, and and you know really set. Let's be let's be mature about this. You can leave us at any time you want. And for me, I always used to say to my people, I want to develop you to a point where you can leave, but that the offer is that exciting you don't want to leave. Mm. And if they believe that you're going to make them that person that's got the opportunity to leave, and you know sometimes it's. It's a it's a challenge that leaders face. You you develop somebody to a point where they're ready to take that step up. You just don't have a position for them, and and yes, they may leave, and it, and it's it, it's um, disappointing when they do. But it's actually for the good of them, and it's for the good of the business that you lose that person, because what they will have done is demonstrated to the next generation of future leaders that 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 development is there that that belief and 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 that um yeah that that trying to get the best out of everybody 
is there in that business and it will it will help them aspire to something else and when there is an opportunity that comes available you should have a team of people who are who are vying for that position it's exactly right it's all about arming and inspiring the uh, the next generation to really step up and that's something that here we're certainly very passionate about at the uh, the leaders council and uh, obviously for anybody as well who uh, you know the issues that we discussed do particularly resonate with you today um, you are able to leave a comment with us via leaders council or one word with an il dot co dot uk forward slash contact hyphen us and you can even apply to be on the program yourself to share your perspective or even bring your own topical matter or issue to the discussion table via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply as well um for now i have to say it's been an immense pleasure welcoming adam bottrell onto the uh, the program um adam um of the new perspective um you've been a brilliant guest and um, it's been, been fantastic to uh, to hear him um, of your sort of perspectives on leadership and what you feel that leaders really do need to be thinking about in the current climate but just before we do wrap up on the uh, the program today I would like to sort of think a little bit about the uh, the future because we you know we are navigating difficult times at the moment but what's next for you and uh, for your business and uh, where do you sort of see yourself being uh, this time in uh, 12 months would you say? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I had a meeting with one of my partners yesterday uh, and we spent 45 minutes writing the plan out of where we'll be in 12 months. And then at the end of that, I said, now I have to put the, the, the disclaimer out for full transparency um, that we're actually, one of my other businesses, we're in talks of, of gaining investment, which we're close to an offer on now. Um, should that investment come in, I will be I'll be fully committed into making that business grow because it really needs that, that focus and attention. Um, and, and strategically, 2023 looks at us uh, consolidating in the UK. Um, but in Q4, the, the strategic plan is to move into the US, um, and, and I've, you know, like we talked about earlier, and I've now got this this difficult decision to say, am I the right person for that? Is it going to break my my work life balance that I'm trying to attain with my family, um, or or should I should I follow the the, the role of Gymshark and, and employ a CEO to do that for me? Um, so in honesty, I, I don't know the answer, Scott. Um, I know that I've got a lot of thinking to do, but you know, we cha- we, we're changing every week. Um, the the future is changing for us every week. So uh, at this moment in time, I'd say I just need to be agile. I just need to be ready for um, you know, the different paths that may lay ahead of me. And again, I think that's something that we've learned an awful lot in the last couple of years as well, isn't it? The need for agility, the need for flexibility, and that's something that leaders certainly are going to have to be very, very aware of. Um, Adam, once again, thanks ever so much for your time and taking to join us on the uh, the programme today. And I've really, really enjoyed having you on the uh, the show. And I think it would actually be great to uh, perhaps catch up at some point in the next year when we start to see these plans coming to fruition and just, you know, catch up as to, uh, to where everything is and what might be next, um, on what might be the uh, the next milestone, let's say. Yeah, fortunately, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be here in one guise or another. We'll be here, so uh, I'd love to catch up again with you, Scott. Thank you. It'd be absolutely amazing, and I do hope that everybody tuning into the programme thoroughly enjoyed hearing from the New Perspectives, Adam Bottrell, on today's uh, programme. And uh, to all listening into the show, I've been your host, as always, Scott Challoner, on today's programme. And uh, do take care, everybody. Until next time, and goodbye. Thank you, Scott. Bye-bye.